Armoire makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. Is anyone else struggling with what to wear these days? I've been pretty frustrated with getting dressed over the last few months as I've navigated body changes, and some days I quite literally have no idea what to wear. Enter Armoire. Armoire allows you to rent high-quality designer clothing for every occasion. When I signed up, I took a style quiz, and based on my preferences, they offered suggestions that would best match my life. I've been renting clothes from Armoire for a while now, and the more I rent, the more on point the suggestions get. Plus, you send what you wear back, which is a great way to try new styles without waste. Armoire also has such a fantastic range of options. Whether you're planning an outfit for a date night, packing for a conference, or maybe a family event, or just need some updated options for everyday life, you'll be the best-dressed person in the room without ever having to find time for an exhausting shopping day. Right now, Didn't I Just Feed You listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash D-I-J-F-Y. That is armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash D-I-J-F-Y to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try armoire today. You're a teenager at some point, if they're really serious about their sport, probably wants to move on to college and play at a college level, maybe wants to move on to, to pro. And at the college level, you don't have parents there holding your hands. You don't have someone there holding your hands and you have other support, but you're really going to have to take some accountability on your own. And we know with habits, we can't start them and master them overnight. So if you're not helping your kids to kind of like be, make some of their own decisions and navigate some of this themselves uh, before they leave home, then they're really going to struggle to adapt and thrive in that next environment. Welcome to Didn't I Just Feed You, a podcast about feeding kids. Hi, I'm Stacy, And I'm Megan. If you would like to support the podcast right now, which we know you do. Podcast. <laughs> the podcast. This podcast. This podcast. The there we are the only podcast. Yeah, you're right. You're right. My I mind. go back. I okay. stand corrected. The podcast. Listen, let's let's not lose the thread this early in the episode. <laughs> hey, we are asking you if you will please leave a rating or review or share this episode or any of your other favorite episodes of Didn't I Just Feed You with a friend. These things really do help us grow our audience and help us help more people who are busy home cooks. If you're feeling extra generous, we would love for you to subscribe to our bonus episode feed on Apple Podcasts. Or hey, join us in our super fan community by visiting didn'tijustfeedyou.com backslash community. You can also join our free community on that page. And one of the benefits of being in the community besides hanging out with us, which we think is super cool, is that you can suggest episode ideas, which is exactly how this episode came to be. Yeah, you guys have been requesting this episode forever, literally for years. We've gotten so many emails about this. And, uh, you know, we are always talking about basketball season, flag football, soccer. Every time we do, people are like, please, like, let's talk about feeding kid athletes, teen athletes. It took us a while to find the right person. Yeah, I think because it's a layered topic. It's not just about how hungry they are after practice or teaching them about fueling their bodies, but also doing that in a non-judgmental way. 
And recognizing that even athletes or maybe especially teen athletes are also exposed to diet culture and body image issues within their sports, on social media. Yeah. And I think that, you know, there's a age discrepancy between you and me, Megan, almost 10 years. But I think we're just like maybe new parents today, like who still have babies and toddlers are transitioning into their parent life during a time when there is open conversation and pushback against diet culture. Some of it misguided, (laughs) but still parents of kids who are school-aged, teens, tweens, y'all, we grew up with diet culture like in the water. I mean, it's still in the water, but at least there's conversation about it. We grew up with it in the water, in the air that we breathe without talking about it. And I think that even people, you know, it doesn't have to be so extreme that maybe you had an eating disorder or you consider yourself someone who has disordered thinking about food or a hard relationship with food. Even just messages we got straight up about like fat, here's when and where to eat fat and here's when and where to eat sugar. Like a lot of those messages fly in the face of what the research bears out. And it's hard not to pass those messages along to our kids. And like, maybe you're a parent who doesn't talk about food with your kids that much, but if your kid becomes an athlete, it does seem kind of inevitable that diet is going to come up because of maybe what coaches say or what they're seeing on social media or your concerns or just like, you know, their desire to think about like, how do I perform at my best level? Yeah. And I think there's something too about our, especially our generation, like we've been so traumatized by the word diet in the context of like dieting to lose weight or, Mm -hmm. or change bodies. Whereas we, so we can't even like, if our kids want to talk about their diet for performance, athletic performance, or for body composition, we almost can't even hear it without it being tethered to those negative things. Yeah. And like scary. Yeah. So like diet on its surface is not a dirty word, but culturally we have made it such one that it's like makes teaching our kids about nutrition when they maybe need the most support with it, when they are, have these sports, these athletic goals. I mean, it's really hard. Yeah. I think we found a great expert to talk about this. So excited because I'm kind of obsessed with Jess's social media She was just someone who was really talking about all of this stuff in an anti-diet way, but in a way that really like resonated. She's also really like funny. I don't know. So let's just introduce her and get into it because this, you guys have been waiting a long time for this one and it's a really great conversation. So our guest today is Jessica Isaacs. She's a registered dietitian and she is CSSD certified which I had to look that up, Jessica, sorry. But that means she's board certified specialist in sports dietetics. So this like this is her jam. She is a Los Angeles-based sports dietitian with an eclectic career working with elite level athletes, creating engaging social media content, and is a highly sought after speaker and mentor. And when you hear her speak, you will know why. She earned her Bachelor of Science in Nutrition in Dietetics from Purdue University. In her career working as a sports dietitian, she has supported thousands of athletes from youth professional level, serving as the sports dietitian at Kobe Bryant's Mamba Sports Academy, the basketball performance dietitian at UCLA, and she spent two seasons as the lead sports dietitian for the LA Clippers. 
Jessica also develops educational resources for athletes and coaching services for professionals in the field. We are so excited to have you here. Welcome, Jessica. All right, Jess. So listen, I'm desperately, desperately want to start with my 16-year-old son basketball player's question because it's just so hilarious and layered. But I do, I'm holding myself back because I want to take a step back and I kind of want to set the stage. We were talking off recording about why Megan and I were so committed to chasing you down. <laughs> on this podcast because we just love your non-judgmental anti-diet approach. Like you're very practical. Like that's our approach to food too. So many parents of teens have been like, how do we talk to our teens about food and nutrition? So I just kind of want to start there. How important is nutrition for teen athletes? And like, do you find that teen athletes and their parents have really common misconceptions about the role of food and nutrition in their kids' sports life. This is your 16-year-old's question? What a mm. well... Okay. No, no. <laughs> no. It's like, wow. This is my... We're going to start with my question. <laughs> okay, okay. Let's just put it this way. His question involves McDonald's. Okay. That sounds, that sounds yes. more accurate. Yeah. Yeah. So how important is nutrition? It's so important, right? But like when we think of our bodies as an athlete, as a young person, I think of like a new shiny sports car we drive off the lot. It just does the things, right? Like kids are so yes. resilient. <laughs> they have so much energy despite the way, even if they're eating things that are less healthful, making up most of their diet, they still can have energy for days. They still be able to seem to be able to take a beating and get back to it. But there are so many things that athletes want to do and more bang for their buck than they're wanting to get out of their performance and further that they want to get with their sport that they can be doing now. But we're also talking about long-term health. And that's not that's not sexy and exciting for a teenager. Like we're not talking about we don't they don't care about prevention. We don't care about prevention. We care about like once something happens, right? Um, but when we're talking about like teens' bodies, we're still growing. So nutrition is an important component of just growth in general. I know like hoopers, we want to get taller. We want to get yes, bigger. We need totally. to eat for that. You want to get stronger. You want to build muscle. You need to eat for that. And if you're active at a super high level, there's just so, there's just so much more you need to intake in a day in order to support that kind of thing. But the other component of it besides like the obvious performance, endurance, strength, all those sorts of things is just like the mental component, mood, anxiety. Nutrition is so tied up in that as well. And if we're missing things, we're underfueling, we're not eating the most ideal things at the right times, like we can really still see that creep up. Especially like I see a lot of kids that abuse caffeine um, yes. and that's such a big component with anxiety. And this is just, this becomes this negative cycle. So it can support our performance, but also our, just the way that we feel on a day-to-day -day basis outside of our sport too. So it's so important. I'm so glad that you mentioned the mood piece and I'm going to share something about my 16 year old son because he's given me permission to, and he's open about it, but he has anxiety that really ties mostly back to performance anxiety. And the thing that matters to him most in the world is how he performs on the court. So that's when his anxiety would peak. He'd feel sick before games. He'd be sick before like going to practices with teams he's been with for like two years. It just wanted to do such a good job. And he would not eat at all before playing because he'd be like, no, it gives me a stomach ache. 
And then like he'd be completely gassed by the end of practice or a game. And then he would eat a whole bunch and then he'd feel sick again because he hadn't eaten and then he was hungry. So just figuring out how to track that piece for him and figure out like, what is he going to do? Like, okay, it's very real that he gets nervous tummy before games, even though like he's feeling like his anxiety is managed in general right now. But like, He's had to learn how to figure out how to eat through that so that he has the energy to perform during a game. Because otherwise, then you beat yourself up because he didn't perform well and you were gassed. It becomes, it's a cycle. Yeah, we see that so much. See that so much as well with, with other athletes at all levels with that that anxious stomach. Yeah, but then when you're like talking about adult athletes, they have this responsibility. And what I really want to understand here as like, I have a preteen who's a budding athlete and we struggle with what she wants to eat versus what she might, what I might encourage her to eat. Like, where do you put the division of lab- labor uh, as far as the nutrition component for teen athletes? Is it on them? Are we, do we nudge them a little bit? Do we nudge them a lot as parents? What guidance could you give? We need to be teammates for sure. Teammates for sure. I think there's definitely a like division of labor is the is the right word for that. It's or term. It's it's difficult though, right? Because like parents, we have all of our hangups, all of our yeah, nutrition yeah. issues. Like, and there's so many parents that I talk to that they they think they have a solid understanding of nutrition and they really don't, or they really don't have a solid understanding of nutrition for performance or or nutrition for performance for athletes at these levels and in these types of sports. And so even when they think they're doing the right thing by guiding them, encouraging food choices, it's not always the best. And they're creating a lot of distrust and hangups around food that becomes this, it it becomes unchallenging uh, navigating that forward. Right. So, you know, So nutrition education at first is always super helpful so that parents and kids are the same page. When I do like presentations for groups, I really want to get parents involved. I want the parents there because I can, I can lecture your kids all day long. I can give them handouts. They're going to get shoved in their backpack. You probably may never see them. Maybe one in 10 kids will even mention that a dietitian talked to them today about food, right? Like that's how it goes. And so having parents involved and having them be stakeholders and having them hear the information too is huge. But there's so much like you're, you're a teenager at some point, if they're really serious about their sport, probably wants to move on to college and play at a college level, maybe wants to move on to to pro. And at the college level, you don't have parents there holding your hands. You don't have someone there holding your hands and you have other support, but you're really going to have to take some accountability on your own. And we know with habits, we can't start them and master them overnight. So if you're not helping your kids to kind of like be, make some of their own decisions and navigate some of this themselves uh, before they leave home, then they're really going to struggle to adapt and thrive in that next environment. So I say, get them involved in the meal planning process, get them involved in grocery shopping, let them make choices, but set the example for them. Maybe set out, you know, have things prepared that are, have the options of things you want them to choose. But I think the more that we kind of like demonize food or tell them this is what you should eat or shouldn't. I think that just causes kids to rebel, right? They want to do the opposite of whatever you're telling them that they have to do sometimes. Totally. <laughs> so what are so what are some of those misconceptions? How have you seen yeah. parents steering kids in the wrong direction when they think they're just helping their kids eat quote unquote healthier? Yeah. So I got into doing a lot on on social media and whatnot because when I was going through all of 
my my younger years and navigating nutrition before I knew anything, I fell into all of the diet culture traps. And I and all the messages that we see are about weight loss, are about supplements, are about making yourself smaller, making yourself yes. leaner, right? They're not about performance. And so everything that's been thrown at us, especially, you know, parents that moms and dads that grew up in the 70s, 80s, yeah. 90s yeah. that have always been on a diet. Like my mom was always on a diet. Yes. Always totally. on a diet, right? So then your kids see that too, or some of your hangups are there too. So so sugar, every parent is afraid of sugar, especially added sugar. But there's just like, there's such a misconception there of, there's certainly ways to do things, parents that want to be, you know, the more organic granola parents. There's there's room for that. But there's also, there's room in between too, where we can have some of these convenience items. And if we start to understand and connect the benefits in the role, then it's, it's we start to feel better about it. Carbs are one. Um, parents hammering protein. Protein's important, but like it's not the only important thing, right? Yeah. You yeah. Your kid full of protein all the time. Supplements are always like, what kind of supplements should I get my kid on? And the answer is usually very few, maybe none is appropriate. And then not eating enough. Like a lot of times, especially yeah. with like, I feel like female athletes too, there's this idea that we need so much less. And so you have these, these female athletes that are chronically under fueling and that just leads to a whole host of other issues. Totally. Okay. Can we talk about protein for a second? Cause I think this is one where I'm guilty. I also want to talk about sugar because people write to us about sugar yes. all the time. They're still freaked. Even yes. though we've had experts on be like, listen, being stressed out about the sugar is way worse than actually consuming the sugar. That part. Yeah. Okay. So my thoughts about protein is that protein helps you build muscle. Mm -hmm. But like if your kid isn't like working out and like actively like on a plan to build, to bulk up, their protein intake can be like pretty comparable with everybody else's. Like you don't have to like gym them full of protein. Is that right? Is there anything to add to that? I will say that there has been, I've seen some research that has shown that if you have a high protein intake, that there are, there are some people that can still build muscle without that like training stimulus. Oh, but I don't want to say freaks of nature, but I want to say like that's the exception <laughs> to the yeah. rule, right? Like most people, we need the training stimulus, training, lifting weights, all that. It rips and tears muscle fibers and then protein comes in, repairs it, maintains it, grows it. But we need that training stimulus first. So if you're not lifting a lot of weights, also if you're not in a phase of your puberty yet where you're actually like able to build muscle yes. in that way, like you can throw all of the protein you want and some of it might stick, but your child might not just be ready to grow yet. Their body just might not be primed for that. And it's hard because you might be comparing them to peers or teammates or, you know, saying, look, this kid is compared to mine, but all of our bodies are different. All of our bodies are different. So protein is important, but yeah, you definitely have to be like, have a training plan in place. That's not just training, but is supportive of hypertrophy growing muscle in order to, to get those, that progress. And is there a time, like if you do have a kid who's training really hard, let's say they're a high schooler who's thinking about going to a D1 college, and so they're pretty seriously training, is there a time of day or like a time relative to their workouts or their practices where protein is going to be more effective than not? That's a good question. I think people have heard like the the like that window, that timing window, yeah. after, that recovery window. And I've heard it rephrased as like, 
a garage door of opportunity. And what that essentially is, is that protein after workout is important for repairing muscles. However, if you're doing a good job with protein intake throughout the day, that timing after the workout becomes less important. I tell people just to make sure we're checking that box, let's just get protein after our workout. Let's just set those habits and that way we don't have to worry about it. We don't have too much to think about because when you're a busy student athlete, you've got so many other things like nutrition is important, but it's not your only thought. It's not the only thing you have to worry about. And so the more that you just like set a routine in place where you're just like in the groove of things, like you, you're mix and matching, you understand nutrients and you're just mix and matching based on your preference, accessibility, whatever that day. I like to see protein on every plate at every meal and then getting protein in at snacks. And it doesn't have to be a massive amount, but if we give our, if we're drip feeding that protein intake throughout the day, we allow our body time to digest it, do with it what it will. And if we can't use it all in that time, you know, then we have all these other opportunities where we're getting protein in as well. Got it. There is something bubbling up for me here. This is going to be a long wait, so hear me out. We like have covered breastfeeding, for example, which is like way before you're getting to puberty and getting into sports and all of that. And we are like sort of ethos is fed is best. Is what like the thing about sugar or even protein, like one is put on the pedestal and one we sort of demonize is actually the thing here, especially as you're talking about the female athletes who are underfueled, is that for athletes fueled is best and like consistent fuel. It doesn't really matter as long as they're eating throughout the day, if they decide to have an Arizona iced tea before practice. Yeah. So, you know, I think when we start to understand what each of the major macronutrients, so protein, fat, carbs, what they do, then we can start to connect the pieces. So like we talked about protein for muscle building and growth and repair. Carbohydrates are energy. That's where we get energy. We don't get it from caffeine. We get it from carbs. Mm -hmm. We get it from calories. And our body can use it in other forms. We'll have the fat, the fat adapted keto people saying, well, you can get it from fat. When we're talking about high performing, highly active athletes, High carb diets are king. Research shows it time and time again that even if you compare someone that's on a fat fed, primarily fat and a carb, they, they, they perform better with a high carb diet. Now we think of carbs for energy. So if we're very active, we need more carbs. If mm -hmm. we're less active, we need less carbs. If we're rolling into an active time, that's when we're going to be using carbs. That's when carbs are great. And our body prefers, prefers them in the simple form, simplest form possible, simple sugar, 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 because we can take that, turn that it's glucose, turn that into ATP, our energy currency. Our body doesn't have to to do a lot of work. When we're going into like an act active session, our body's trying to send out blood, oxygen, nutrients to our working muscles to power those, not to our gastrointestinal system. And so if we're trying to put in protein and other things in there, it's going to slow it down. It's not, it's not going to agree well. Then you've got the kid with a nervous stomach that's it's coming out one end or the other, right? Yeah, yeah. But carbs are what we want. And if you have a kid with a sweet tooth and you want to like really, really get them on board with what you're trying to do. Tell them they can have those things before and after they're when they're most active, because yeah. that's when your body's using it for energy. It's converting it. And all of these negative things that we're, we're thinking about, usually the negative things we're thinking about are inflammation, chronic inflammation and weight gain. But if we're eating according to our performance and our energy needs, our body doesn't really care if it's coming from Arizona iced tea or from fruit. Like, sure, we're going to get more micronutrients and vitamins from that fruit than we are from Arizona iced tea. But in terms of performance, our body doesn't care. It just wants sugar. Mm -hmm. it just wants sugar. 
Okay. Yeah. Oh my yeah. God. I'm like, give me a pause because I'm like, yes. Twenty twenty four is the year we're focused on finally reducing dinner time overwhelm at Didn't I Just Feed You? And that means making grocery shopping easier and more cost effective, especially when it comes to the foods we all tend to spend the most on, like meat. Enter Butcherbox, where you can count on incredible deals on premium cuts. At ButcherBox, you can choose a curated box or customize your order of 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, pork-raised crate-free, and wild-caught seafood to stock your fridge with all the proteins you need for the week, month, or even the year at prices that are hard to come by at the grocery store. That's all your protein shopped for in one shot at great prices delivered to your door with free shipping. Just one change, switching over to ButcherBox, and you guarantee yourself fewer trips to the grocery store and savings that are hard to find at the supermarket. Dinnertime overwhelm, be gone. ButcherBox is offering our listeners their choice of a weeknight meal essential, three pounds of chicken thighs, two pounds of ground beef, or one pound of premium steak tips for free in every order for a whole year. Plus, you get $20 off your first order. Sign up today at ButcherBox.com backslash D-I-J-F-Y and use the code D-I-J-F-Y, short for Didn't I Just Feed You, to choose your free offer and get $20 off. This episode is brought to you with support from Whole Foods. As our resident Greek girl, I am a sucker for Mediterranean flavors and want you to taste the Mediterranean too. Go to Whole Foods Market now and save on regionally inspired products through March 19th. Find sales on animal welfare certified meat, including boneless, skinless, air-chilled chicken breast, bone-in beef short ribs, ground lamb, and more. Save on whole bronzini and sustainable wild-caught sockeye salmon. And stock up on Mediterranean essentials like feta cheese crumbles, whole wheat pita pockets, and if you're over 21, wines from Spain, Greece, and Italy. Grab your ingredients and experiment with family-friendly Mediterranean cuisine today. Think Greek-style ground lamb pitas, lemony oven-roasted chicken, or bronzino, or instant pot short ribs braised in wine. All simple and delicious. Taste the Mediterranean now at Whole Foods Market. Do you ever feel like you're in a never-ending cycle of snacks and meals? We get it. That's why we're excited to share HomeThreads, the ultimate solution for creating a stylish and functional family space. At HomeThreads.com, discover furniture that can handle the chaos of family life. From wipeable dining chairs to kitchen tables and light fixtures. Or you can just freshen up your kitchen with trays, counter lamps, decor, and other affordable accents that will help you update your kitchen into a room you love spending time in. Head over to homethreads.com slash D-I-J-F-Y, short for dinner and I just feed you, to get a code for 15% off your first order. Because if you're going to be feeding them three times a day, plus snacks, you deserve a home that feeds your style. Homethreads, love where you live. That's homethreads.com backslash D-I-J-F-Y today to get 15% off your first order. Okay, but then on the other end of the spectrum... I am curious about fat, but I want to talk about, because this seems like a good lead in to Isaac's question. So I'm going to give you a tiny bit of backstory, probably out of like mom guilt and not because it's necessary for the question. (laughs) So Isaac 16, my first kid, I grew up with a very restrictive mom who like very, like an almond mom is what they call it on social media these days. But like, I wasn't allowed any sugar, like everything carob instead of chocolate, like 
whatever. So I grew up with that and I kind of, you know, the pendulum swung for myself. But then when I had Isaac, you know, a lot of that stuff was pretty influential. It was kind of in my bones. So I have Isaac and I find myself, you know, you have a 16 year old. It was like, oh, toxin BPA in their bottles and this or that. And a lot of like what I had grown up with really emerged. And I became like really hardcore about like everything homemade because I'm a food professional, recipe developer, lots of like everything, like no sugar until he's older. This is how we grew up. Okay. It comes time for him to rebel. He discovers fast food. And he's like, I love this shit. Like, this is the bomb. Why did you keep it from me? And like, it's really been a huge part of how he's rebelled. And there was a period of time when he was a tween where I really had concerns. He's very, very thin and very active. He also had undiagnosed anxiety at the time. So now we realize that a lot of his stomach problems, a lot of not eating was related to that. Also, my husband was 6'4 and like a beanpole for most of his life. So there's a genetic factor. My own anxiety around his food, though, was like, oh, you need to eat like you're not eating enough. And as soon as he started like having some food freedom, we live in New York City, walking around, teenager, he's buying his own food. He has access to fast food. It's cheap. It's delicious. Like he started eating more and more. Concurrent with that, though, my kid who used to like eat salads and all this healthy stuff, because that's really all that was available to him at home when he was little, starts dropping a lot of that. He doesn't like broccoli. He doesn't like this or that. So we've had this weird path where now I'm glad I'm not worried about his eating. Like I know he doesn't have an ED. And to be completely honest, in my anxious mom mind, there was a moment when he was a tween where I was like, is that what's going on? But we have concurrent him ramping up his sports in high school and him really getting most of his fuel from food that I try not to demonize, especially when it's part of a balanced diet. But I really don't feel like his, ba- his diet is that balanced. It's like a lot of McDonald's. It's a lot of fast food, chopped cheese from the bodega on the corner. Like this is how he's fueling himself. And it's really frustrating because my focus, both for my own mental health, for my own anti-diet work for to not pass those lessons on to him has been to step back and be like, okay, you're going to have to learn some of these hard lessons on your own. This gets us to his question for you. I've heard that NBA players and D1 ball players like totally eat so much candy and McDonald's and blah, blah, blah. Like, do they really have to adjust their diet for when they're in season? Like, how do they balance fast food and quote unquote junk food with their performance diet? This is where he's at. Like he's committed to the foods he loves. So I feel like I'm in a predicament because I really, I laid a lot of faulty groundwork maybe. And now here we are, but he's getting serious about college. And I'm like, I don't think this is going to fly in the long run. Yeah, that's tricky, right? Because I like I, I see I get shared every time like some professional athlete comes out and says that they eat a bag of candy every day before a game. I get messages like, "What gives?" And it's hard because you know coming from the same position of like I had all this negative relationship with food and body image, and I heard good food, bad food, you know, all the time, right? And so I, you know, there's like, there's that, that point where we have to like straddle the, all right, we have to get them to understand that food's not good or bad, but there's foods that are better choices and foods that are 
maybe not as good choices in certain times. So when we go back to like the car analogy, I like to call like not all teenagers are driving. So some of them I have to like, all right, go with me on this. Yeah. But yeah. We like talk about like, like fuel, like fuel choices. We talk about like premium fuel, like yes. the, the, the nice fancy fuel. We put in the nice fancy sports car and we talk about the unleaded, the cheap fuel. It gets the job done. Yeah. It gets the job, but you don't put it in the fancy race car. Right. Yeah. Because over time we get some breakdown, we get some wear and tear. If you put the, the, the not so great gas in, you're going to have more maintenance probably that you have to do on that sports car. Things are going to kind of go awry. And we're similar in the way that we work that I try to focus on. All right. This is premium fuel. Premium fuel includes fruits, vegetables, lean protein choices, uh, plant-based fats, you know, all these sorts of things. Right. Yeah. And then our unleaded fuel choices might be our pizzas, our chicken wings, our fried things, our baked things, our breaded things, our saucier things. And we can have those, but I try to like talk about timing. So time, we're, times when we want to perform like that fancy race car, we want to perform at our best. Why would we put anything less than the best kind of gas in? Like it's going to get the job done. We're still going to move, but we're not going to move as well as if we're putting that, that, that premium gas in. And again, going back to prevention, it's a hard thing to get kids on board with like prevention and like later over time, inflammation, yeah. chronic yeah. inflammation leads yeah. to disease. Like they do not care. They no, do not I care. I think this is going to be like lean, mean machine for life. His dad is like, dude. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's rough later. <laughs> they look at performance and how, and if they're performing well or not. And same thing with my guys, especially like my 30 year old NBA players. They, they are so set in their ways. I'm not telling them different, but I always challenge. What if you tried though? And what if you're performing like you're the goat right now, but what if you performed even better? Yeah. What if? You performed even better. What if you felt even better? What about those times when your stomach is all jacked up and you're running to the toilet? What if you didn't have to deal with that? Yeah. What are those times when you're feeling really sore for days and it's really hard for you to get going in the next training session? You didn't have to feel that way. What if days when it's hard for you to wake up and get going in the morning, you didn't have to feel that way? Like why leave all of this on the table? All of this yeah. performance, all of this good feeling, why leave that on the table? You make your choices. You're still going to be fine, especially if we're trying to put size on Then like, okay, we want calories, yeah. but if we're missing those micronutrients, over time, it's going to catch up. Okay. So what about the flip side though? All right. So we talk about Isaac who's on one side and you're like, why leave all this performance on the table? I imagine that there are a lot of athletes, especially teen athletes that hear about, I don't know, like maybe not, I, I might be out of date, like Tom Brady or LeBron James, like these athletes who were, they were the GOAT. And then it's like optimization. You know, Tom Brady puts out his book and talks all about his crazy diet and LeBron starts putting out, you know, supplements, a brand of supplements. And it's like, I'm sure there are kids out there who are like, maybe go extreme in the other direction where they get really prescriptive with their diet and they're really into it. What do you say? Because I'm sure there are a lot of parents out there listening who have kids who they're afraid, like that their eating is so restrictive, prescriptive. What do you say to those kids? Same thing, I guess. Yeah, it's the but. same thing. And it's so nuanced too, because some people, and I find, and this is a generalization, but I find boy, boys and men, they tend to do better with like, they want a plan and a routine and they mm. stick to it. And they don't always have the same hangups as us. I've never seen like a more intuitive eater than a, a male, right? Like females, we tend to, and this is again, a generalization. Of course. Because yeah. boys do have, men do have EDs and everything as well. But they're, 
some people do do better with like, hey, I need a plan, I need a routine, I need structure. And if it's not causing problems, fine. If you're eating the same thing every day, every single day, all the same things, you're you're going to be missing some nutrients. You're going to be missing some micronutrients. You need a variety. We want a variety because we get different nutrients from different food. So it's not the ideal to meal prep the exact same meals every single day. But if that works for some people, fine. If you're on the other end and you're like, I have to, everything has to be quote unquote clean. Everything has to be organic. I have a lot of athletes that will eat salads before performance. That's not, that's not going to get the job done either. Then we fall on that other spectrum, but it is like, it's man, it's so nuanced, right? Like how do we, how do we attack that? And that's where like you have to, I I think like that self-assessment and getting like getting the the athlete, the the teenager to talk about themselves and how they're feeling, or maybe encouraging them to kind of doing some kind of habit tracking, journaling, Mm -hmm. um, how they're feeling. I mean, really getting them in tune with their bodies and having conversations about those sorts of things so that we're not talking necessarily about the food, but it's it's so hard. It really is so hard. Yeah. To Isaac's question too, about the athletes who are like showing themselves eating a bag of candy on Instagram there's the thing of we know intuitively as adults that like what we're seeing filtered through the media is probably less than 1% of what those athletes are actually using to fuel themselves. But I'm so curious how you, in your work, you've seen like the rise of social media and how there's like this connection between athletes who used to only be able to watch and like see interviews on ESPN to we're like fully connected to their lives and what they're showing us that they eat every day. Like, is there a rise in like body image issues and diets for both male and female teen athletes since the rise of social media? And like, how do we as parents sort of disconnect that or also put our own filter on it where we're like, hey, this is not real life? Oh, like a thousand percent. Yes. Mm. Social media, a thousand percent. Yes. Right. Because it's not only like it's nutrition messages, it's bodies, it's lifestyle, it's it's be like me, you know, and, and, and I'm going to provide you a highlight reel of my life so that you can see how amazing my life is and want to be like me. And like having people you look up to is great. Having people you're inspired by is great. Kids don't understand this yet, but people are just people. Athletes are just people and they are flawed humans and not all of them have it right. Not all of them know what they're talking about. And my, my misconception was thinking that once I started working with pro athletes, that they were so dialed in and had it so figured out. And I was so freaking wrong. So (laughs) wrong. So Mm -hmm. wrong. I'm sorry, guys. They're idiots. (laughs) (laughs) They're idiots. And like going back to the sugar before or the candy before a game, it's sugar. We talked about sugar, sugar for energy. It's sugar. You get no additional nutrients besides carbohydrates for energy from candy. Now, if you're eating a balanced diet throughout the rest of the day and you're not really caring about that you're getting micronutrients or not before, fine, fine. And hopefully these guys are, because I'm going to tell you, these guys have access to some of the best food available. They have food in their training facility. They have breakfast and lunch made for them. They have it dialed in. They have private chefs. They have fancy meals always available to them in all, all of the things. So they're not eating junk all the time. Some of them are not eating so well, but I'll tell you, those are probably the same guys coming back with really bad lab reports yeah. with their biomarkers are kind of a mess. They're inflamed a lot and they're getting injured a lot. Yeah. And they're not always connecting it because again, they're like, but I'm putting up shots still, but you feel like crap, but you yeah. feel like crap. Does that not matter? 
something that I'm hearing and thinking about for myself as a parent is like really as early as possible, trying to help our kids make a connection between like about how they feel when they eat and just being aware of that, like not talking so much about the food itself, but like, right. how do you feel? Don't you want to feel as good as possible, especially if you're an athlete and you have these goals for yourself? Yeah. I mean, it's so you're putting so many demands on the body day in and day out. Plus you're juggling school, you're juggling social, yeah. you know, all, all these other things that you have going on in your life. Like if you have, if you have the ability to simply by eating, <laughs> Mm -hmm. feel a lot better and be able to navigate those things a lot easier, a lot lower, like uh, perception of fatigue and all of those sorts of things. Why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you want that? Totally. Can I get down to one brass tax question? Cause I think this is something our audience might be interested in. Just, is there a difference between like eating for performance? Like when you are active in season, right? versus just eating to build muscle versus just eating off season. What are the phases? Like should, should a teenager have their plan and however that's customized for them for the whole year? Or are there differences depending on what your goals and what season you're in? Yeah, there should definitely be some periodization, I think, to nutrition, right? So like if we're asking them, hey, if you're serious about this, let's focus on what we're eating and put in premium fuel during during our competition time frame, then yeah, I think that you need to you want to have some balance in the, the other time frames. But off season is also the time where like if we're trying to make any like major body composition changes. So if we're trying to put on muscle or anything yeah. like that. That's off season. Yeah. So we should be fueling for performance. Like performance should be the goal in when we're competitive. When we want to perform at our best, we need to fuel at our best. And these other times are when we can have some, I think we can have a little bit more of the unleaded gas, but you also don't want to go too far away from your habits that then you have to reintroduce habits again, or you have this uphill battle because your body is just shifted in a direction, maybe where it's not performing at its best. Right. So we definitely don't want need to stay hardcore all the time or even hardcore in general, but I think there's an ebb and flow to it. And if you, ha you give them a little bit more of that autonomy with making, you know, different food choices outside of the season or food choices that are appropriate to whatever their goals are in that time period. I think that, you know, just kind of understanding that nutrition can change just as our training can change. I think that's so great. Okay. So we talked about protein. We talked about sugar. Let's talk about fat because I'm an old lady and I grew up in a time where fat was completely demonized. It's crazy, right? Give milk. What? It's F crazy, you. <laughs> right? And I think we're so avoidant, right? Because fats are cal the most calorie dense of the macronutrients. You know, we get four calories per one gram of protein or carb, nine for fat. And so we have this really calorically dense food. Problem is, especially women that are really calorie conscious is they are taking out fats. But fats are so important for hormones, for hormone health. We need them. So if you got funky hormones, I would take a look at what your fat intake is like, but it's important. So we talked about proteins for repair, carbs for energy, fats for protection, um, and also fats for satiety and fullness. So fats can help in a lot of ways. They can help if we're someone that has those crazy cravings or we're someone that maybe it's going to be a little bit of period of time between meals. Protein and fats can help there. Fiber can also help there. But fats are so critical 
for, for our cells and for hormones and for everything like that. So if we're not getting them in at some point, um, they also help with inflammation and controlling inflammation. So we want, we want to be getting in like a good, when I'm talking about fats, there's, there's obviously different ones. Those are animal-based saturated fats, which can be pro-inflammation. And then there's unsaturated fats, which tend to be your plant-based, your avocados, your nuts, your seeds, your, your oils. Those are important. We want those. We want those in every meal. We don't need as much as we need carbs and proteins and other things, but we definitely want fats throughout our diet as well. It's required. And dairy, dairy is saturated. Like is dairy not great? Dairy is saturated, but I don't say it's not great because when we look at dairy, we have so many other components in there. We're talking about growing kids. We have all these bone building nutrients in dairy, right? And you can replace those in other places, but it's also just really easy to get it from dairy. If you have, if you're lactose intolerant, there's plenty of lactose free options. And, And also with dairy, like Chocolate milk is one of my top recommendations for a post-workout because it has the right the right distribution of fat, carbohydrates, it's got fluids, it's got electrolytes. It's a great hydrating beverage. Yeah. Um, and then also we get there's other there's whey and casein protein in your dairy products, casein protein being a slow digesting protein. So we can get benefits from pear by having a dairy-based food at nighttime. Dairy has a big hang up. Um, I'm actually, I'm actually going to be talking a lot about dairy on my page probably in the future, but it, because it, it's Good. so beneficial, but because of we, we've, we've got so many different hangups with it's inflammatory, it causes disease research doesn't support it. But if you're, if you're not dairy avoidant and scared of dairy, which I encourage you not to be, it's a great choice <laughs> for a growing athlete. Okay. So does it all come back down to just a balanced diet of everything in moderation? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. That's not sexy Ah. though. Right. I can't, that's not a multi-billion dollar industry. Come on. What? (laughs) Oh man. (sighs) Jess, thanks so much for joining us today. This was so great. And I know our listeners are going to be really excited to hear from you. Thanks for having me. It was great talking to you. Stacey, I really enjoyed this conversation with Jess, especially this is weird because I don't always want to talk about food and nutrition and body image in a gendered way, but I am having a different experience than what you've had having a daughter who's really interested in, in athletics and also how she wants to fuel her body and how we're able to talk about her body. Oh my gosh, that's really, really interesting. It's like Jess said. I mean, I don't know because I'm raising two boys, but I I know and I've I've seen in my son's peer groups, there are definitely boys who struggle with body image and with eating. And like I see interesting things that I know I would see that maybe would take a different, slightly different shape in one of my best friends has a 16 year old daughter and I'm very close with them and I know different things come up, but it's related. It's body image. And, but yeah, generally speaking, it does seem to be a little bit different. I know it's like a weird thing to say, but yeah. So what are you seeing with Ella? I'm seeing she doesn't give a rip, which (laughs) Which maybe is a good thing, right? Because we've talked before on the show and even a little bit with Jess about how I really grew up enmeshed in diet culture. And so it's been like the the pendulum swing of being like, I don't care if you have 
a bag of gummies and a Gatorade as your snack, even though I know you have practice later and you should probably have like a cheese stick and some popcorn in addition to that. But I think the thing that I'm more mindful of is talking about her body. It's like really freeing in a lot of ways to be like, oh, you're really strong. Like I, I love seeing your footwork out there and like being able to talk to her in a way that's all that gets to be like always positive, which is not necessarily like how I grew up hearing other people talk about bodies or own my own body. Then Megan, I feel like there's more overlap. Like that's not different. I thought you were going in a different direction. Yeah. What direction? I thought you were like talking that she's about being worried more about careful. It. Yeah. Not that I wasn't trying to project that onto her yet. Cause also there's an age difference, right? right. So lots can happen between 11 and 16. Yes. But I, I thought that that's what you're, you were concerned about, like not speaking in a way that would emphasize her body, but like you're saying the opposite, which is what I, like, that's the same stuff that I say to Isaac too. I think there was something more interesting actually that I picked up in what you just said though. Okay. Which is? I know, and people who've been listening since the beginning have seen me swing, the pendulum swing from one side to the other, to the other. I regret completely letting loose. Do you? I do. Yeah. And I think Jess is right. Like he's going to go off to college and like, I had, maybe I had to, maybe I shouldn't say I regret. That's a really huge word to put on myself and I don't carry that around. But like, I think I went to another extreme because I had felt I started in one extreme. But I, I don't like, I think if I did it over again, I wouldn't do it the same way. Like I, oh yeah, for sure. That. Like I don't, I don't think it's good to eat a bag of gummies and Gatorade before practice. Yeah. I, I just don't like, yeah. If you have an overall healthy diet, sure. Go for it. Not because gummies are inherently bad and should be avoided at all costs. And that's not why, but like, I don't know that my son has an overall diet that's thoughtful of his output and his goals and like adding an Arizona iced tea before, you know, when you've also had like an iced tea earlier or a soda at lunch or whatever, like I, I, that's not good. Like, I don't think that's good. Not because those foods are good, but because your overall plan, it isn't the good fuel. You're never putting in the premium fuel. Yeah. That's interesting. That's interesting. Do you think he never, ever will? Like you don't think in the next couple of years he's going to fill it in and close the gap? I hope so. And I hope he does. And I think that I laid enough groundwork about like healthy eating and cooking at home and, but like, he's going to have to figure it out on his own. He leaves home in two years. Yeah. Your point though, about what the pendulum swing. Yeah. And even Jess sort of spoke to this, like, yes, we need periods of being less restrictive in order to avoid disordered eating. And so she didn't say that like plainly, but in talking about, okay, during the season, we're going to be really eating for performance. And then in the off season, we're going to be eating for other goals. I, I wonder if like a larger takeaway for didn't I just feed you for our complex conversations about our own body image and the, how we grew up in diet culture. And also as we raise preteens and teens, whether they're athletes or not, is really that for barely anyone is it this steady line of they're just always totally prime nutrition totally and that it comes back to playing the long game and hoping that the things that you instilled in Isaac 
or knowing, not even hoping, knowing that the things you instilled in in Isaac when he was young will come back to him as he has to feed himself and grapples with like what his energy level is when he's taking a full class load and trying to play basketball at a college athlete level even. And I I say all this really comfortably. Like I am not worried about him. I know listeners who were listening a couple of years ago know that I went through a period of time where I was worried about him. And, you know, he's my first. I don't worry about Oliver, but I'm just being honest. Like I do wish, and I can't say, you know, I'm saying I'm pulling some, I'm pulling one moment out in a vacuum without the larger picture, just for the sake of this conversation. But I do wish when he was 11, I would have been like, I, if that's what you want, that's what you want. But I really think gummy bears and a Gatorade are about choice. Yeah. Before, like before practice. Yeah. After practice, if you really, really want that, or you're still craving it after you, after practice or this evening, like we can buy it and we can have it for dessert, whatever. So like not demonizing it, not restricting it, but I wish I had made those connections and like really been a little bit more steady about making them in a non-judgmental way. I think that at when he was 11, I didn't know how to do it in a non-judgmental way because I was working through my own stuff. So instead I was like, okay, the easiest way for me to not judge these foods is to be like, okay, 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 go for it, go for it, go for it. And maybe it was better, like honestly, like I might've done more damage if when he was 11, I had tried to mitigate, I would have mitigated it in a really like weird and more harmful way. Now who I am today, I feel like I can do that. Yeah. Which you still can. That's the thing. It's not a, I can, I, I do. know. I mean, 16 our is a little influence like gets much. Yes. Like, our influence gets much less strong, yeah. much weaker as our kids age. Yeah. I don't know. So I guess I share that not to be hard on myself or to say that no. I'm worried. But, but I'm like, like are you judging else, me? For oh, being no. Like, no. <laughs> no, but I do. But like I share yeah. that for someone else to think about, like as everyone who's coming with their own flawed, <laughs> it's like how we started the episode. Like it's hard to come to these things. Like I'm sure there are people out there who have like a really healthy balanced relationship with food. I mean, bless y'all. If you don't, It's just like from a mom who's been through it. Maybe that's helpful. Maybe it's not. Yeah. I guess the biggest thing is that we just have to keep doing, didn't I just feed you for longer so that we can hear, (laughs) hear how our experiments of children, first children's Capricorns, how they actually turned out. Cause I can't, I mean, I joke about like the gummy bears and Gatorade before practice. I do push like, having some popcorn and some juice and like not in a judgmental way, but I'm like, Hey, you'll stay fuller for longer if you also eat these things at the same time. But I can't get that girl to eat a vegetable right now to save my life. And I'm like putting it in front of her at every meal, packing it in lunch bags and snack bags. And I hear you. I mean, 16, same thing. And it's funny because he has some like really healthy foods that he loves. Like he loves a salad. So it's not that he won't eat healthy food, but if he doesn't like it and there are a lot of vegetables he doesn't like, he won't eat it. Like he's not interested in trying it, seeing if it can be flavored well. It's like, nope, no broccoli, none. Like that's too bad. And like, you also grew up in a home where I can make broccoli taste good and I can make broccoli so many different ways, kid. Uh, you know what? This is Give bubbling up, chance. though. This is bubbling up that <laughs> we really sport. 
I'm a good cook, damn it. We haven't talked. It is your sport. It is our sport. Yes. We haven't talked in a while about picky eating. And so maybe we need to know some, hop in the community and give us a reason to talk about picky eating again, because it isn't just toddlers and preschoolers and elementary school kids. It's our preteens, our teens. And I met a picky adult recently who was like, hey, can you talk about this? So Really? Yeah. I love it. We should have a how we feed picky adult. Okay. Let's go. I love it. All right. So you can only do all of that, you guys, in our community. It's like we said at the top of the episode, you want to make requests. You want to ask us questions. And I'm going to say that uh, lots of times when people make requests, but it's just like a really simple question and it's actually not a full-blown episode, like we'll just answer it for you because we're in the community. You'll just hear from us. So you want to go there. We are at didn'tijustfeedyou.com backslash community. See how easy it is? So easy. And hey, if we don't answer you, there's thousands of other like-minded home cooks who will step in and answer your question too. Also follow us on Instagram where we are at didn'tijustfeedyou. A huge thank you to our producer, Samantha Gatsik. I'm Megan. And I'm Stacy. Stay sane and well-fed until next week. Be sure to subscribe to Didn't I Just Feed You wherever you're listening. And don't forget to rate and review.